Hello and welcome at the China and Africa podcast. Um, I'm Kubis van Staden. If everything sounds a little bit different, it's because our usual host, Eric Olander, is under the weather this week. He'll hopefully be back next week. But I'm super excited to be joined by Professor He Wenping, who's the Director of African Studies at the Institute of West Asian and African Studies at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Hello, I'm Professor He. How are you? Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, nice to, yeah, nice to join your show. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad. I'm very happy to have you. Um, so today we're talking about three topics. Um, we're going to start to, talking about France's intervention in Mali and particularly China's reaction to this intervention. Um, then we're moving on to uh, the recent kidnapping of some Chinese workers in Sudan. Um, and okay. finally, talking about the the way that China is uh, looking at the current situation in Egypt. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me, just to give everyone an update. Um, so, France intervened in Mali about two weeks ago after um, you know after an, some Islamic militants uh, took over the north of the country about ten, ten months ago. Since then, um, the French army has used both tro uh, troops on the ground and airstrikes, um, and they are they've taken over some key towns and are now at the moment moving on to Timbuktu, the the, the very historical city. Um, meanwhile, the Pentagon is providing logistical support uh, to this to this operation. The African Union is is providing troops, um, but at the same time, there's a lot of a lot of criticism about this. Um, um, Professor, Ho, what, what has been your impression of the of the operation so far? Well, uh, I think uh, the France intervention uh, at the moment is necessary. Because uh, on the ground, the Mali uh, interim government uh, was indeed under the immediate threat coming from those uh, north militias, especially those uh, Islam, uh, extremist Islamist militias. So uh, without uh, this intervention, I think uh, probably uh, the interim government in Bamako uh, will be uh, taken even by those militias. So uh, on this uh, considering of this, I think it's quite uh, necessary, and uh, France uh, uh, took the lead and continues to do so until now. And then uh, I think uh, after that, those Western con uh, African countries, their forces, ECOWAS forces, I think they should move in. And uh, also, after they have been got uh, well trained and uh, equipped with uh, uh, shootable and uh, uh, you know uh, good weapons. They should take over. And uh, also during all those process, I think uh, those political uh, you know resolution also should be put on table. Especially we know all those uh, uh, North uh, people and the particularly Tuareg uh, groups. And they are not uh, uh, fully support those militias in the north of Mali. And themselves, I mean those Tuareg groups, people, they cannot be put into the category of those terrorist groups. Uh, certainly they are not. So they are fighting, they have been fighting for their autonomy, they are fighting for their legitimate right, and uh, so that has nothing to do with terrorist activities. So we must make some uh, differential attitude 
towards those different groups they have been now active in the north of Mali. So, um, in you know, David Cameron has recently said that um, what what we face is an extremist Islamic Al Qaeda linked terrorist group, and it wants to destroy our way of life. Do you feel that um, is he being too alarmist about this? Um, do, do you agree with his view? Uh, yes, especially after the Libya war last year, I think uh, whole of the Sahara region, including Mali as well. Now they have been facing this increasing terrorist threat coming from those uh, Al-Qaeda forces uh, of the North Africa. And also even they have been linking now with uh, uh, Al-Shabib uh, in uh, Somalia and also the Boko Haram in Nigeria. So this kind of link between uh, among all those three uh, big uh, you know, extremism now they even go uh, beyond the African continent, has some, has some links with the uh, Taliban, and now in Afghanistan, and also Al-Qaeda, uh, other you know, headquarters based in uh, the border of the Afghanistan and Pakistan. So which makes uh, the situation in Africa uh, becoming more serious than before. Um, some people have been saying that there's the danger that that this um, action is opening up the, up the potential for just a, an open-ended military engagement um, in in Africa, and that that there's um, talk of of the increasing militarization of Africa. Um, is that something that you're worried about? Are you worried that France might be drawn into an, an endless fight similar to Afghanistan? Well, this kind of trend of uh, militarization in Africa. I think it certainly uh, do no good for Africa because at the moment, I think uh, the fundamental uh, task ahead for all the continent is still to develop its economy, to uh, develop its uh, social development. So the anti-terror or the terror, uh, the war on terror, I don't regard it as uh, anything like a priority or foremost important thing. Actually, Africa has become a victim of all those uh, uh, terrorist, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, the expansion. Uh, actually, they have been victim of all those, uh, 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 how to say, the Libya war and also uh, other uh, social turmoil uh, happening uh, during the past uh, two years. Actually, this is against the good trend of uh, African economic development. They have been enjoyed since the middle of 1990s. But now this good trend, first of all, has been impacted uh, by those financial crises, uh, triggered off from the Wall Street, of course, in the 1998. And then they have been, you know, uh, gradually uh, moving to the Europe, and then now Africa suffered. So and now the second trend is this uh, uh, social turmoil, and also the unrest happening here and there uh, from the North, uh, you know, Maghreb countries, and now moving towards the Sub-Sahara countries. So I, I don't think those, uh, and also with those uh, social unrest now becoming escalated, and then we have uh, witnessed a lot of outsider intervention uh, from like uh, lethal bombing in Libya, and then, uh, like other, like uh, even United States also sent uh, ground troops 
for example, in the, those Central African countries in Uganda and also in uh, like uh, in Somalia, and now they also Pentagon said they will send uh, three thousand more to uh, almost thirty-five African countries. So this trend of militarization in Africa, I think, is certainly against those uh, good development trend uh, generated in this continent since 1995 yes i i completely agree and obviously a lot of a lot of the the momentum and investment for this this economic development in africa is coming from china um can you give me an, an impression of your impression of how the chinese government is responding to this french invasion in, in mali well uh i think uh, china's reaction now uh is saying i mean officially uh, of course, we we fully uh, we fully against those uh, militias uh, of in the north of Mali. They are marching towards the south. Uh, so we regard uh, this kind of move as a threat to Mali's uh, uh, territory integration and also even their uh, demo- uh, democratic development. So uh, and also uh, in the UN resolution adopted at the end of the last year, and China being the member of the UN Security Council also favored uh, this uh, resolution and also support ECOWAS troops uh, to uh, get into this issue and help the Mali government to ex- uh, you know, to get the territory uh, back uh, in the central government. So as for the uh, uh, French intervention, uh, I think Chinese... Uh, uh, the media, I think, uh, showed uh, some kind of understanding, and also, meantime, also showed uh, a lot of worry. Uh, for example, uh, we have witnessed, uh, you know, the Libya war. That war has been interventioned by the outside forces, uh, by NATO bombing, and they eventually caused uh, those uh, uh, a lot of a side product. For example, even these terrorist groups. I think they have been uh, got experience and even got weapons from uh, the Libya war. So, and also uh, those kind of outside intervention, uh, the fact proves it hasn't generated in a, a good results. Actually, uh, sometimes um, in most cases, uh, the results come into the opposite way. So that's why we're quite uh, cautious about this outside intervention. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I, I can definitely see how um, how that logic works. Um, some commentators um, have been expressing a worry that um, that France is, how can I say, that France is kind of is, is using this intervention for, for its own ends. Um, so, for example, your colleague um, at the China Academy of Social Sciences, Li Jibao, Argued that um, that France is is exploiting this um, the, a, a certain amount of uh, a lessening of of U.S. engagement in Africa to ex- to expand its own role and also to counter China's like large investment in the area. Um, you know, kind of. Do, do you agree with him? Do is is um, a lot of other people have also been raising the issue that that this might have more to do with with Western worries about Chinese intervention than necessarily only the the danger of Al Qaeda affiliated uh, terrorism. Well, there is 
uh, this kind of worry uh, among scholars, among the public uh, opinion, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, in the Libya war, when the outside intervention went on, and eventually Chinese, uh, you know, economic cooperation with Libya had been becoming the victim. And then we had to evacuate the 35,000 workers out of that country. And a lot of, uh, uh, you know, projects have been uh, stopped or suspended. So caused a lot of economic loss. So that's the, that was the fact. And then uh, whenever those uh, intervention uh, moves on, and then normally those uh, countries, uh, you know, even that like Mali, in the year 2011, uh, the biggest uh, trade partner with the Mali, that is that was the China. So if uh, things uh, getting worse and worse there, uh, you know, naturally China's uh, economic cooperation with that country will be uh, influenced. So that is uh, that is the fact. But uh, on the other side, uh, I think uh, Chinese, uh, you know, citizens. We also have uh, like 2,000 Chinese citizens now in, still in Mali, and our embassy is still there. I think uh, they also benefited from, uh, you know, the, the, the French intervention right now because they are also under the threat of uh, those uh, uh, ministers from the north in Mali. So I cannot say, uh, I cannot just, uh, you know, fully agree with some uh, point saying all those uh, uh, intervention just to harm to, to China or to harm to Chinese uh, uh, business uh, activities in that country. So we have to see this is a, a two sides of the coin. Yeah, like from from the other side, what was very interesting for me is it's interesting to see the the breadth of opinion about this issue because you know from the American side, there's been a few people. The person I read was a, a journalist called Barry Lando who was writing in Huffington Post, who was arguing from the other side that that saying that. China has so, such large investments in the area, in West Africa generally, that China will actually be the one that benefits the most from, from, from kind of Western peacekeeping there. And he was using this term called, this term that, that China is a free rider on Western peacekeeping efforts. What do you make of that? And, and, and what do you think the Chinese government would make of that? I cannot, uh, just to speak for myself, I cannot agree uh, with uh, this kind of point. Uh, you know, this kind of free riding saying, I think they even cannot prove, uh, cannot hold the water, even in the case of Afghanistan, uh, not mention uh, the case of Mali. Uh, you see, uh, as I mentioned, Chinese actually has been suffered. Our economic cooperation, uh, for example, in Libya cases, uh, even now in Mali as well, we have to, some projects, we used to be uh, operated in the center of Mali, uh, maybe some even in the north of Mali, they have to be, uh, you know, moved uh, further to the south, and uh, some uh, projects have been suspended. Uh, so we are waiting, uh, not mentioning at all, saying free rider. I only say those Chinese citizens, their life uh, probably benefited from uh, those uh, military uh, activities jointly taken by French and also Akhavas forces. So because their, their uh, safety can be guaranteed. So that's, that's just uh, this issue. And uh, also, uh, like this forthcoming, uh, you know, the dollar meeting in the Addis, 
I mean, that will be taking place 29th, according to the schedule. Definitely, I'm quite sure China will offer our help uh, to support uh, the ECOWAS support uh, the troops to maintain the activity in Mali, and uh, we will also support uh, like uh, uh, not only in the cash. I think probably also with some material, humanitarian relief or material, so so on and so forth. So the only difference between Chinese approach with uh, French's approach is because China has been fully adhered to the principle called the non-interference policy, and uh, we don't have any like military uh, bases in uh, any of the African countries. So of course we cannot do things like French does. So uh, in that case, uh, I, I don't think those things can be uh, can be linked together. Saying okay, you 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 didn't send troops there, and then which means you are a free rider. Yeah, it's it's you know kind of the the kind of intervention that took place in Libya was was such a massive you know logistical issue you know kind of obviously because there aren't any bases there that it, it, it took you know massive ships moving there and so on so i can completely see you know how support might be the better thing for china to do and in any way i mean you know a lot of the other of western countries also are offering logistic support rather than actual troops oh yes uh so i think in the coming conference in addis uh international society will show the support uh, to how to restore Mali's democracy, how to uh, maintain Mali's uh, territory integration. So China will definitely do the same. Yeah, let's let's move on to our second topic. Um, so in in the there's been several incidents over the last last few years of Chinese workers um, getting kidnapped in Sudan. And um, about a week, a little bit more than a week ago, there were another four Chinese workers, one engineer and three drivers, working for the for China Railway. Was uh, they were kidnapped in Darfur, in northern Darfur. Um, and as I, uh, if I understand correctly, they've since been released, although we don't really know a lot of, of the details about what, what actually secured that release. I was wondering if you perhaps have any, uh, you know, kind of any more information about how they actually got released. Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, I couldn't offer uh, any detail because I simply I don't know. Uh, but uh, I know after, uh, whenever those kind of, uh, uh, you know, the incident happens, Definitely, a Chinese government, uh, based in Beijing and also this in the relevant countries, they will do their best uh, to get those uh, uh, Chinese workers back. So that's for sure. Uh, I'm sure they have their own contact uh, with the local government, uh, with the local police, uh, and also with the military in those in those relevant countries. And then uh, I think Chinese embassy there and those Chinese uh, societies, uh, they have uh, based in those countries or that regions. They also have their own, uh, you know, contact with the local people or with the local, some, uh, uh, you know, some uh, ethnic tribes, maybe some chiefs, whatever. So so I think uh, we, we feel very glad to hear uh, you know, within a quite short time, those Chinese workers, they can be uh, brought back and they're in a very safe situation. So I don't know things that goes in very detail, saying, uh, 
you know who and uh, what kind of group has encountered i have no idea about that i was i was really struck by how efficiently and how under the radar this this uh, release was arranged um and it it you know one one has to compare it to the recent disaster in algeria where a whole a whole bunch of foreign um, hostages were eventually ended up being killed by the algerian army um were you also did you did you get, get the feeling that in a way china is now developing a certain amount of skills um in in uh, you know kind of dealing with these kind of crises in africa uh of course those skills or experiences have been built up uh when you have experienced quite a lot of uh, similar uh, unfortunate stories so those uh, kidnapping issue uh like hostage taking issue has been uh happened many many years ago i think here there and chinese workers also uh had been lost their lives like in addis ababa i think in ethiopia uh, in the year probably 2007 or 2008 so they uh, i think that case they lost uh, uh that uh, chinese working camp i think uh, we lost uh, nine chinese workers lives So bad stories also did happen before. So with all of those uh, bad experiences, I think uh, Chinese side, no matter embassy or those Chinese uh, enterprises themselves, they have gradually built on their skills and their knowledge and their experiences, uh, how to deal with those issues. So uh, I think it's not time in, in comparison with those uh, Algeria hostage-taking activities, because that one uh, has heavily linked with uh, French military inter- intervention into the Mali issue. So those uh, uh, ministers, they, uh, you know, particularly goes to the, those Western uh, workers working in that gas field. So they want to, to do something quite bigger and uh, very influential. So they don't want any like money or ransom. They just want to raise their political demand, uh, you know, to make something uh, bigger to uh, catch the international front page uh, coverage. So that's different. I think different with those uh, four or three Chinese workers have been uh, kidnapped in that Western Darfur. In that case, uh, Darfur case, I think maybe... It's just for economic demand. Uh, this is my guess. Yeah, I can completely, I completely agree. I, it seems to me that, in a way, if if they're trying to get money out of it, then they have a, a larger stake in this, the hostages being okay. If, if like in the case of Algeria, they're trying to to create attention, then they have less responsibility to 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 maintain the safety of the of the hostages. So it's actually a more dangerous situation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because the motivation, I think, are quite different. So if for those motivations uh, driven by a political demand, or sometimes even by, uh, you know, goes beyond the control uh, of one country involved, so that makes those cases difficult uh, to be resolved. In the case where um, where Chinese workers are kidnapped for ransom, are though and would would the would the Chinese companies and Chinese government usually be willing to pay the ransom, and would it then be the company or the government who would pay, actually pay it? 
Well, this uh, for this specific question again, I have no idea uh, about uh, how those uh, you know financial things have been arranged. Uh, also, I guess to my personal knowledge, I think uh, probably the companies themselves will bear more responsibility for that. Um, so China is obviously is very heavily involved and invested in Sudan, and it's also been, um, you know, it was one of the rare cases where China took on a, a mediating role between Sudan and South Sudan. I was wondering if you could give us a, a little bit of an update about how the situation between Sudan and South Sudan is going, and how um, China, how China's involvement has, has evolved over the over the while that it's been involved in that. I think uh, as uh, all the observers who have uh, closely watched uh, the two Sudan's issue, now we just uh, uh, heard uh, both uh, leaders from North and South Sudan. They met uh, in Addis, uh, I think, uh, one month ago. And uh, this is a a very good sign to see uh, both presidents. Eventually, they, they had this summit. So, uh, because last uh, September, uh, to Sudan has reached a very good deal, uh, which allows the South Sudan to resume uh, its uh, oil production and also resume its oil export uh, through those pipes uh, all the way uh, to the you know to the port of the North Sudan. So, if this uh, deal can be implemented. Uh, in a smooth way, uh, well, I think uh, the situation between uh, those standoffs of the north and south during the past uh, uh, times can be uh, can be you know can be improved to a great deal, to a great extent. So we all hope things can moving into that good direction. But uh, you know, everybody knows there are many obstacles lying ahead. A lot of issues hasn't been resolved. Uh, those issues actually should should be. Actually, they should be in, uh, resolved even before the South uh, declared independence. For example, the border demarcation, for example, the refugee issue, for example, the citizenship, all of those things. But all of those things now has been left behind, has been left even until now. So, uh, because they have to, they want to declare the independence on time. So now the two sides, uh, two uh, Sudan, they have to face this reality. This is a very harsh reality. They will uh, come across all of those time bombings uh, from time to time. Sometimes it's this issue, sometimes it's that issue. So all of those time bombers, I think they have caused a lot of... Uh, you know, those hurdles for this uh, last uh, September's uh, arrangement. So I'm very just uh, cautious, optimistic. Yes. Um, you know, kind of China is obviously in a in a in a special situation in in the case of Sudan because it it has such large investments there. Um, do you foresee that China is going to take will take up this kind of mediating role again in Africa and in other African cases, or do you think they try to stay away from that as far as possible? I think China has never been stay away uh, in the issue of uh, uh, 
uh, even Darfur or North and South issue. Uh, we have uh, appointed uh, a special envoy of Darfur, special envoy of, uh, uh, we call it African representative. But uh, like uh, the former representative, Ambassador uh, Liu Guijin, uh, actually he had spent a lot of his time traveling to Darfur, so traveling to Juba, uh, uh, traveling to Khartoum, so trying to bring uh, those uh, uh, different parties together. So we have been, we have been never staying stay just aside, uh, just being the onlookers. Uh, so that's not the case in the future as well. That's very interesting. It, it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, let's move on to Egypt. Um, so there's there's been Egypt has been facing chaos over the last while. There's um, this week has seen massive riots in Port Said, um, where at least thirty people have been killed. Um, you know, after a riot erupted when uh, twenty twenty one Port Said residents were sentenced to death for killing a whole bunch of other people during a soccer riot. Meanwhile, there was also some protests that erupted um, on the 25th, um, which was the, the two-year two anniversary of the, of the original uprising in Egypt. Um, I was wondering if you can give us an idea of how, how do you see Egypt developing from now on? I mean, what, what, what do you foresee in, in the next few months? I think Egypt will continue to face a very tough, uh, very uncertain future in the coming months. Uh, from this uh, recent two days, uh, new wave of uh, uh, demonstration, we can see very clearly the Egypt, uh, Egyptian society now has been divided into uh, two uh, parts. One is uh, those uh, groups uh, fully supported with the Muslim Brotherhood. Another is quite uh, liberal and secular groups. So those two uh, you know, groups have been uh, now for becoming further apart, comparing with uh, one year ago. Uh, because of this constitution uh, referendum, now uh, I think uh, they are uh, even even becoming uh, more difficult to coming together. So now the coming months, we will see they will go into elect a constitution drafting committee. So this will. Uh, this will becoming another a new uh, battleground between those two groups. So I won't see anything now uh, optimistic for a stable or for economic recovery Egypt. Do you foresee that is this going to have a destabilizing effect in the rest of, of North Africa? Uh, well, uh, because uh, even though Egypt will face a very uncertain future. But anyway, they are still within some kind of a control. Uh, this control has been, uh, has been, you know, guaranteed by Egyptians' own geo-strategic importance. Uh, because from the perspective of the United States, they cannot tolerate a fully collapsed Egypt. And from the perspective of Israel, same reason, because they still need some stable Egyptian government to maintain uh, the relatively peace situation uh, with Israel and also between uh, Gaza Strip, Gaza and Palestine and Israel. So 
And so with this consideration, I think uh, even though there are many chaos happening, uh, that's for sure, in Egypt, but it's still within a certain of control. It will become, it will not become a completely chaos or, you know, loose of control. Everything now is becoming ungovernable. That won't be uh, becoming as bad as that way. Uh, in, in considering of this, so those spillover effect to other uh, northern uh, African countries, for example, to Tunisia or to Libya, or even go to Algeria. This is the only country that hasn't been influenced by the Arab Spring. So those uh, spillover effect also is not as large as we uh, imagined. That's um, yeah. That's it's very interesting for me to to keep an eye on that. Um, one of the one of the issues that that came up, or one of one of the reasons what that we um, decided to talk about this with you today is that um, the uh, the American journalist Masoud Hayoun, who um, he writes is written for the Atlantic before on Time, um, he published an op-ed in the Vancouver Observer, um, talking about how the anniversary of the of the Egyptian uprising has been reflected in the Chinese state-owned media um, and saying that, um, you know, in a way it's been characterized as a kind of a cautionary tale, um, you know, against uh, against the idea of, 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 of uprising or against challenging um, the authorities. Um, do, do you agree with him? Do, do, do you feel that he is, is uh, you know, did you go along with his, his view? Well, first of all, I haven't seen this article uh, in the Xinhua uh, news agency, but, uh, you know, there are many different opinions uh, among China. China now is, is not just one China. Uh, also, this, uh, those official newspapers also cannot represent uh, all the Chinese opinions. So there are many opinions. But uh, if I can reach some uh, 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 mainstream opinion, I think it's uh, probably p- Chinese people because we uh, cherish the social stability very much. And uh, even when those Arab Spring uh, took place uh, two years ago in North African countries, and at that time there are some Western media, uh, they, they also, uh, uh, you know, uh, focus on China, uh, eyes on China, uh, some, uh, some uh, opinion even uh, said probably in China we also have so-called Arab Spring happening uh, because we are also facing a lot of uh, uh, similar like uh, challenges, uh, like uh, those challenges in North uh, African countries, like uh, youth unemployment rate now is getting higher and higher and the social uh, gap, the, the, the wealth gap between rich and poor also is becoming wider and wider. But eventually, uh, there's nothing like Arab Spring uh, happening in China. Why is that? Because the majority of Chinese, no matter they are poor or they are rich, they all, you know, benefited from this reform and opening policy in China. Uh, the only difference is this, uh, uh, how much they benefited. Rich people maybe benefited more, and uh, relatively poor people may benefited uh, less. But comparing with the past, their own life in the past, they all now quite, quite better off. 
So that's why uh, majority Chinese cherish social stability. Uh, we think uh, all the social progress or political progress uh, will be achieved uh, with our own economic progress and with our own social uh, progress and cannot be uh, input by any outside forces. And also, nowadays, the re revolution is a better way than those uh, turnaround revolutions. And uh, so maybe that's the foundation for this kind of uh, opinion coming from uh, not only Xinhua News Agency or from uh, some uh, media coverage in China. Um, how how do you think this uh, the, the the current chaos in in Egypt? How will it affect um, Egypt's uh, relationship with China and China's investments in Egypt? Well, we certainly hope Egypt will become stable as soon as possible, and uh, because we had uh, quite a lot of economic cooperation with Egypt, we have uh, set up like uh, called the Swiss. Uh, special economic zone there, and uh, so without a good or stable uh, political environment, so it's quite hard to uh, push forward those economic co cooperation projects. So this is very simple uh, logic and simple uh, you know principle. So uh, that's why uh, when the President Morsi paid visit to Beijing last year, and uh, we also delivered this message, and we also offered help to stabilize, to stabilize uh, Egyptian's economy. For example, we offered some loan to the Egyptian bank uh, to help them to deal uh, those financial uh, unstable uh, situations. So I think that's the, our wish and our hope. Um, when last year, when when um, President Morsi visited China, a lot of a lot of uh, you know there was a lot of attention paid to that in the West. But for the fact that he first went to China, was that um, so seen as symbolic within China as well? Uh, you mean uh, his visit to Beijing? Well, that that the the fact that he that he visited China first before, for example, visiting the United States, was that seen uh -huh. as a symbolic gesture I, within I China? That that seems uh, Morsi's uh, balanced policy. Uh, for President Morsi, I think uh, he 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 knows that the United States is playing the hedging policy to Egypt, and so he wants to play the similar uh, hedging policy towards the United States. So he wants to keep a balance. Uh, play a balance act between the West and the East, and all, even between, uh, you know, Saudi and Iran. He also visited Iran and uh, joined the meeting, the Long Allied Movement in Tehran. So, uh, uh, so that's uh, that's uh, President Morsi's uh, basic uh, policy, and also he wants to use uh, this kind of a chance to get some uh, economic support from China. And uh, also uh, to use this uh, chance, like uh, join the non-aligned movement, to uh, bring uh, the Egypt back to the center of the stage uh, in the Middle East. 
Um, thank you so much for for uh, joining us today. Was I was um, wondering if you have a, a you know a final word um, about how you see the whole of the North African region, um, you know, kind of progressing in the future, and what you feel China's potential role could be in the entire of the whole of North Africa in the future. Well, uh, just a brief. I think the entire of the North Africa uh, region, uh, they will still face. Uh, quite a uh, uh, you know unstable uh, future because like uh, Libya now still fighting with some uh, militia groups, uh, some are even in the corner Karabi's hometown, and uh, like in Benghazi, the situation is also uh, not so encouraging. Even now, the recent uh, days, some Western countries even ask their citizens uh, to leave that city. So, uh, and the Egyptian as well, we have discussed before. And so, whole of those uh, regions, even Algeria, after this hostage-taking issue, Algeria also now is quite uh, uh, alert on any future uh, similar things. So, they also cherish their social stability and political stability they have been uh, got since those uh, 10 years uh, terrorist period uh, in this country in uh, 1995. Uh, so, how those regions they will still face a quite uncertain future, and it still takes quite a relatively long time to back to uh, the stability. And uh, economically speaking, they are also now becoming uh, in the downturn, uh, comparing with the. Sub-Saharan Africa, now North Africa, uh, situation is not so encouraging. Even in the 2013, the uh, situation cannot be improved uh, as well. Uh, in terms of China's role in this region, I think uh, what we can do uh, is to like uh, offer, uh, you know, the economic support, like uh, we offer the support to to Egypt when the President Morsi visited China. And uh, we would like, uh, we of course, we would like to establish uh, wide contact uh, with uh, those moderate uh, Islamic forces now in power uh, in Egypt or in Tunisia or in other countries. So we would like to make contact with them and to ha offer help uh, if they need, and uh, so when the situation is getting better, I think uh, our uh, project, like in India, we would like to resume this uh, if the things uh, now is getting better, the situation is getting stable. So with those uh, engagement coming from uh, our entrepreneurs and coming from uh, the Chinese uh, like uh, uh, support. Uh, I think uh, we hope the situation will offer some help to stabilize this situation. That would be fantastic. And, and we'd love to hear from our listeners. Um, we have quite a lot of listeners in North Africa. And we'd love you to contribute um, on our Facebook page to tell us what you think about, about our discussion and, and what role China should play in the future. Um, you can find us at uh, facebook.com slash China Africa Project and uh, where you can also find uh, previous um, episodes of our podcast. You can find our Twitter feeds. 
Um, Professor Hu, is there way, uh, are you on Weibo or on Twitter? Is there a way for people to follow you? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that. Well, don't you you appear so so frequently in the media that I think it's you know people people can just follow you through Google probably. Probably, but uh, I'm very, very busy. I simply don't have time to, you know, to write back or to even to check. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, it's so, no, no. Many people writing, you know, that's nice to finish. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. You know, you're you're like an academic idol for me. The amount of work you do is amazing. Wow, thank you for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. It was fantastic to speak with you, and I hope you will uh, okay. will be able to speak to you again soon. Okay, thank you as well. Thank you, thank okay. you. Okay.